Hi everyone, I am Tara. Welcome back to our podcast, Books and Beyond with Bound, Season Four. So, on the podcast, as you know, Michelle and I speak to some of the finest writers in India to find out what makes them tick. So, we are editors, we are podcasters, we are storytellers, and through Bound, we help you create stories and put them out into the world. I am so excited about the cohort of our writing mentees this season. So as you guys know, we have a special offer for our writing mentorship programs, um, and the cohort that we've got is amazing. They're from varied backgrounds like IT, screenwriting, accounting, and more. So we have a few slots left because, as I said, this is a very curated program. So for those of you who haven't managed to book your slots for the year yet, uh, you don't want to miss your chance. Yes. So use the discount code Bound Mentee twenty twenty two and get a ten percent discount on our three month mentorship program. Do not forget to book it before March first. Yep. So book your slot for the year and don't mess up the discount code. It's Bound Mentee twenty twenty two and the link is in our show notes. Today's episode is really special. It's an editor-writer special. That means it's a one-on-one with author Tanushree Podar, who's written *The Girls in Green*, and we decided to do that because I've edited the book. So we're gonna get a lot more scoop into that. Um, anyway, so the book actually is about four girls who navigate the stringent world of the army. They have a lot of fun. They follow their dreams. They form these amazing friendships. and they learn so many new things about themselves as they go through really rigorous military training you guys would not even believe the kinds of training our army has to go go through it's it's really really cool um tarushi is actually an army wife um but this book is very different because it's also being adapted into a web series which is fantastic um it focuses you know obviously takes from her crazy experiences you know she's lived all over india and in the remotest parts she's seen things you can't even imagine there are some wild anecdotes in the episode look out for them um and so i've been an editor for you know 10 years i've edited all kind of books from thrillers to literary fiction to non fiction and there's so many amazing books and and there's been a few that have really stood out to me um and a lot of them have to do with women doing you know things that i know i couldn't do and maybe that's why i'm so fascinated with it but i want to for example you know one of the books was about women bikers um i really like immersing myself into characters that are so unlike me and i think that's what all of us do right we all love reading books i don't know about you but i think so right we all love reading books and we just like escaping into a whole new world so this real this episode was really that for me she managed to portray the lives of these four girls with contrasting personalities what they go through in the army with exacting detail and emotion i think it's very hard to do and you're going to learn a lot you're going to be taken on a really joyful amazing ride so i hope you enjoy this episode with just me and the author so let's dive in Hi Tanushree, welcome to Books and Beyond with Bound. Thank you. Hi Tara. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for giving us your time and uh, as you know, I edited your book, latest book Girls in Green, which is about women officers training in the army and I had so many questions when I was editing the book. 
uh, and I'm so happy that you're here and you know I get to ask all of them. <laughs> I've been looking forward to having a chat with you ever since you know I learned <laughs> that you have been you know doing the editing. So thank you. <laughs> So the episode will have four sections and we'll start with uh, the section about, you know, army life. I really want to find out about, you know, these young women who are training to be in the army. I learned so much about them when I was copying it, copy editing the book. And there was one question that just kept playing in my mind, you know, like, how does Tanushri know what these girls want, their desires, their hopes, their aspirations so deeply from you know, these crazy exercises that they do to the lack of social life, you know, inside their rooms, into their friendships. So I hope that we can find out more about how you have imagined so much about the inner lives of these women. Actually, as a writer, you have to blend the imagination along with the, you know, realities. And that's exactly what I have done for this book. But having said that, let me tell you that I really went to OTA a couple of times and I met a lot of cadets, both men and women, and I met their instructors. I went around the campus. I saw their living quarters, how their rooms were and uh, what kind of, you know, uh, training they went through the swimming pool and the uh, theater and the canteen where I had a meal and I met a whole lot of, uh, you know, young, uh, you know, would-be and wannabe officers. And uh, it was so exciting. It's a different world altogether inside the campus. It's uh, very vibrant. There's a lot of energy around. And also, you know, one gets the entire sense about the discipline that these people have. Uh, been imbibing into their lives because army is mainly about discipline and a whole lot of rigorous physical you know activities and uh, you just can't imagine these are the same youngsters who might be in another college but here they are so disciplined and they are you know like uh, a different breed altogether and the resolve it's it's a fascinating thing to watch the kind of determination and the will to win which is what I found most intriguing and interesting you know we all want to live our dreams but here was a bunch of people who were you know were totally ingrained into the philosophy and motivated to serve the nation their only motto being you know to become very good officers. So uh, I, when you speak to them, uh, it unravels an entire new world. And it is really fascinating, Tara. I must tell you this, that the more I spoke to them, the more I learned about them, the more I was impressed. And of course, I spoke to a lot of other lady officers who have passed out from the academy. And now we hear that uh, the government proposes also to be, uh, you know, taking in women and girls into the NDA, which was exclusively right. a male, you know, domain till now. So, yeah, I just read that news actually and I thought of you. Uh, but, you know, the, the what you say about hierarchy really stands out in the discipline because 
you know, all four characters in your book, you know, they're so naughty. They have different personalities, uh, especially Nutty, who's my favorite. She's this drama queen who's always up to no good, you know, and you balance that so well with showing the amount of grit that it takes, the amount of physical exercise, uh, you know, that these girls have to do. So I also want to ask, you know, you've written two other books based on the army life. And you have been an army wife and you've spoken about how tough it can be. So I really wanted to know if you could maybe narrate one or two incidents for our listeners that you have gone through as an army wife. And why does the army life attract you so much as a writer? Uh, uh, For one, I have spent more than my half life in, you know, uh, various uh, army stations as my uh, husband was an army officer who's now retired. And uh, I have the sense of discipline that, you know, comes naturally with the living inside the campuses, watching the people go about their duties. But it's a life that's full of dangers also. As an army wife, I've seen it at close quarters and I really have so much, uh, you know, I really salute the people because they are so well organized and disciplined that they can actually handle things at the drop of the hat. You know, there is nothing like panic during emergencies, which we see in other fields. Here, it is also well controlled and it comes only because of the hierarchy. The first thing that I think one learns is that respect the orders and the commands of your seniors. Because just imagine a war, a situation where things can go awry in hundred ways. Maybe, you know, you have a nervous attack. Maybe you are fretting and you are scared as you face the enemy. Now, if you were to think so deeply, you would never go into a war. It's because they are honed and trained to, you know, follow the orders without questioning that they can actually perform what they're asked to do, which is a real great thing. And this hierarchy starts from the time they enter the academies and they are trained and it is ingrained repeatedly that this is what they are expected to do in their profession. As an army officer's wife, an army wife, I have faced very many trying situations. I know it's very common these days for, you know, wives to be separated from their husbands in the course of their professions or their spouses' professions. But in the army, it's different to the extent that we are sometimes required to be staying in far-off places which are not connected in any way to the town centers or don't have the facilities that we see in any other metro or a city. Now, I have a very funny experience when we were posted in a very remote place in Assam. It was known as Hathigor. And the word Hathigor comes from the fact that there are so many Hathis there. And these are not the elephants that you see in zoos or circuses. These are an entire different breed. These are like mammoths. And we used to live in uh, small hutments, actually, which are known as bashas. Now, these bashas have 
uh, cemented uh, walls of just about a couple of feet, about three feet maybe. And thereafter, it's all bamboo matting. And on top, you have another basic, you know, double uh, layered roof, which again, you know, is not the kind that we see in other cities or cemented or concrete or whatever. Now, these bashas are really scary because they are, uh, it is said that an elephant could just brush past and it would fall down. And there was this time when I was staying there and the entire lot of officers and soldiers had to travel to the forward areas, the borders rather, for, uh, you know, for an exercise which would stretch for two months. And the families were left alone behind. And we were very few. We were about just half a dozen families there. And we were surrounded by forested areas and tea gardens. And during the paddy season, we would have, you know, herds of elephants coming into the nearby villages. And they would go on a rampage, literally coming in a procession kind of a thing and knocking down walls and breaking into the granaries of the villagers and you know, creating mayhem everywhere. And now one thing one must remember that the power situation there is generally quite bad. And those days when I stayed, there was, you know, such long period of uh, outages every day that we mostly lived in the dark. And, you know, imagine the situation when you have this uh, trumpeting elephants going around, you're sitting in the dark with just about some emergency lights or something. And the villagers used to beat uh, these, uh, their thalis with spoons to scare the elephants. There was a din, you know, racket. And uh, we had a, a few vehicles, army trucks, in which the drivers were instructed to uh, blow the horn and continuously uh, blow, keep blowing when the elephants arrive. And also keep the headlights on so that the glare would frighten the herds. Not that, that it did much, you know, but it was so scary imagining that just one single mammoth could, you know, knock down your house and you within it. <laughs> so these are the kind of situations. It's crazy. <laughs> it is unimaginable. These stories, I've never heard of these before. And I mean, it's all making so much sense to me that, you know, you were able to incorporate all of this kind of, you know, the grid, the kind of things that were needed to live this kind of life into the book. I mean, you can see it in the characters um, and all the situations they are in. And, you know, especially what you said about them living far away from home, because we really feel for these girls who they've come from small towns. Uh, Lakme has come from the Northeast, and they're living far away and they just have each other. Um, and it, that was a really lovely part of the of the book. I also noticed that, uh, you know, a lot of them had a lot of difficulties as well. Um, so, you know, Bijli's parents didn't know that she was in the army. They Some of them were for poor families. Uh, but I like the fact that in the book, you know, it was not so much focused on those hardships as much as it was focused on, you know, their ambition. So that was very interesting to me. Bijli, as you pointed out, belongs to Haryana and she comes from a very conservative background. 
and her parents had already decided that she should be getting married and she was engaged and this girl did not want to get married and it was her grandfather who was a retired you know soldier who wanted uh, you know who encouraged her ambition to get into the army and it is they who plotted and planned and he trained her in the secret and she appeared for the exams without the knowledge of her father and she joined the academy and it was later that her father came to know within a couple of weeks and he landed up at the academy you know uh, determined to drag her yeah, by the yeah. hair <laughs> that was a really harrowing scene <laughs> but how did you come up with all these characters you know are they based on real women or because they are so very different you know uh, so nati is my favorite one because she is always up to no good you know and she is a drama queen the naughty one uh, they are also very different so how did it come about see nati is also one of my favorite characters ever favorite characters because she is the, the epitome of the small town girl who dreams big as and is enamored by the you know city life and the glamour and to her the ultimate uh, goal is to be you know somewhere very comfortable and you know attending parties so she imagined army to be a very different cup of tea it's only when she went to the academy she realized that it wasn't a joke to get into the army and it involves so much of sweating and you know fuming and fretting and discipline and rigorous exercises and you know whole lot of things and that is how you know she realized what the army was all about and uh, of course once the girls got into the academy then it was just their ambition and they had no time to think about their own personal lives because they just were driven from one task to the other through the day rising at you know the crack of the dawn and carrying on till they were ready to drop down dead drop dead so uh, it is interesting that uh, when i sort of you know uh, asked a couple of uh, lady officers to read the book they were very surprised saying how did you get it so right you you must have known some people i said no it's just a little bit of my imagination they said but there are people like that in the academy we have had in our courses people but what you said about you know it's so hard it's so grueling you show that because the seniors the seniors are always making them do exercises pull ups exercises whose names i hadn't even heard of before the book uh, and i am somebody who loves fitness you know um, and as so why i love stories about all these badass women you know i edited a book about women bikers in india and i love that because it just takes you out of the whole zone of what you're supposed to be as a woman it reminded me a lot of the gunjan saxena movie as well because there was not so many facilities in that movies for women so so you didn't mention you know things like periods or, or, or things like that and i actually really wanted to know you know what is it like for for women you know do they have breaks do they have health concessions um i know my mom she was a national level swimmer and they had to swim whether they won their first year of period or not but what what is that like in the army for women uh every girl or woman who joins the army knows that there would be no concessions right 
my point is that if they were captured by say enemy and they are now fighting for equality and combat uh, you know roles so just imagine a situation where they are captured by the enemy would the enemy be merciful just because they are women or would they make concessions no. that they are having uh, you know uh, they're going through pms or whatever i don't think those things matter ultimately because at the end of the day you have chosen the profession and you have to do the right thing by it or you have to quit right and once you get in quitting is very difficult you know it's a kind of emotional uh, sort of a shock if you feel that you have chosen wrongly and you have come thus far and you just can't go ahead very few people are willing to accept that kind of defeat uh, the ones who are chosen are chosen because of their mental strength emotional fortitude right they are not the ordinary women they have come through a battery of tests that verify that they are fit to join such a rigorous profession that demands makes heavy demands on them physically mentally emotionally now when you get into some profession like that i guess you are prepared to handle everything in it there are cases when they have had medical problems and things like that and they are helped to the best capacity but sometimes it is beyond uh, help then they have to quit but those cases are far and few between you know it's interesting because i thought about this a lot and i thought about you know what kinds of women join these professions and yeah i mean i totally agree with you you know you can't uh, i mean they're signing up for that um, you know my family our family full of athletes so we have some professional athletes in our family and uh, they don't i mean you know the t- tournament is when the tournament is exactly. um, and that's their life so so i did think about that a lot it was very interesting actually uh, but i also want to come on this other point you know i found the epilogue of your book really interesting um, because you mentioned about you know you mentioned there that the army is very conservative and how these lady officers have to keep up with the men and then even in the book you know there is a scene in the book which is about how the three the four girls in the book they have to get a hair cut they have to cut their hair very short and nutty of course freaks out <laughs> so would you have imagined a world you know could you have imagined a world where nutty would not have cut her hair and the army would have accepted it you know? uh, see when they first joined the army i think a couple of girls uh, opted to keep their hair and they had to you know tie it up in a certain manner and all that but uh, just think of the situation you have to somersault you have to do a hundred things and you may not be comfortable if you have a, a long if you have long hair firstly you won't have the time to look after your long hair or spend time <laughs> even to comb it would be a luxury right so when you go if you see the academy you can't from a distance make out whether it's a girl or a boy they are so lean tanned and you know sinewy and with a haircut and the same kind of uniform you just can't distinguish from a distance girls don't look feminine you know at that time they look just one of the cadets and that 
there lies the beauty because it's not about you know being different it's about being one one of the gang right and it is in that uniformity that they find strength and though you may not be feminine at that time but there are so many ways to be feminine and also they have those breaks mm. during which they want to catch up with being feminine but i don't think they care so much at that stage it is a year long thing almost right no i mean i think you're giving a lot of insight you know into the minds of these women but i fell in love with the characters a lot they were the highlights for me um and in the epilogue you speak about you know the uh, how after they're going to graduate from ota they've done really well uh, one of them has won the sword of honor i'm not going to say who <laughs> so that the readers can pick up the book and find out but they've all really done well in their own ways they've had their own journeys and now they've graduated and they're going ahead and then so you've mentioned that you know they're going to face a role they're going to face a roller coaster of events and that they're going to have to struggle a lot in the army to earn the respect of the male officers now i found that very fascinating and i found it very fascinating how these characters have lived on in your head so i want to ask you can you pick one character maybe nutty and could you please tell me what happens to her after the ota see uh, tara even in the corporate scene you have a glass ceiling right you have women who have to prove themselves doubly they have to go beyond their duties to prove they are equal to their male colleagues it's a way the world works and it's no different in the army right uh, you do have you know certain reservations you know from the soldiers who come from rural areas they are not used to being commanded by women so it takes a while for you to gain their confidence you have to prove yourself worth their you know respect and obedience <laughs> but no nutty proves to be as tough as a nut they call her coconut if you remember one uh, yes <laughs> and she rises to the occasion yeah and also the book is going to be adapted into a series web series and it makes so much sense to me because when i was reading the book i mean all of the scenes felt like they could be on screen and you get really invested in the character so i'm sure <laughs> lots of other readers would also want to know what happens to these characters so we're all waiting for a sequel <laughs> speaking about speaking about you know that aha moment when you know you start writing and an idea comes to you i find that moment of you know deciding what to do very interesting um and so for me i'll give you an example you know i always want to do things that have not been done before so you know even the idea of this podcast came to me because i saw you know there was a gap but for you i read that you know this idea of writing girl in, girls in green came when you saw captain tanya shergill leading an all male male contingent in the republic day parade and so i want to know you know can you narrate that aha moment for us and what went through your mind for you to then sit down and write this book uh tara ever since i wrote boots spells berets which is the set in nda and then followed it up with ima each time it has been i mean i have written because uh, the cadets wanted me to write i met a lot of women officers who had the same question they said 
we have come and into the army we have been training and where is a book about us and still i was dithering i said okay maybe yes the one day but then when i was watching the republic parade actually i'm very um passionate about it and that you know when that moment when i saw tanya shergill proud her bearing you know as uh, soldierly as any other and her leading the contingent it was like a moment of revelation you know it felt i felt you know my eyes brimming with tears because i watched her she could have been my daughter or my sister or whoever it was like you know someone's dream come true because i know what it takes to get there and then i realized perhaps it's time now for me to write the books that i they you know they need to be written now and that's how girls in green was born yeah i mean sometimes you know you just have that intuition and it is something that hasn't been done before so i'm sure it's already been very well received uh, i also want to ask you know about you know how your readers have received this story and uh, you know i recently came across a story that was taken down by du because it didn't show the army in a good light and now in this book in some areas you have been little cri- not critical but you've shown sort of a mirror of what the army is for all its good for all its bad um and so were you worried about any sort of backlash or what has the response been from your readers for this book i think uh, the readers have been very enthusiastic and the book is doing touchwood it is doing quite well and uh, see whatever i have narrated is true and also like every field every profession there will be a side which people will you know feel is not you know so glossy and there would be another side which would be very polished to perfection now the idea of a book is not to create an illusion it is also to talk about the reality you can't talk about a profession and gloss over the you know little little things that are you know fundamentally or whatever uh, are not quite comfortable now it is this discomfort you have to get over to bring the true picture and till now i have never faced any backlash i have not heard anyone speak badly about the book i have in fact i don't think there is anything that uh, is uh, you know unpalatable in fact i think it's uh, like a, a, someone said that the book uh, her army books are more than a, you know sort of uh, any campaign undertaken by army and it is so true because after reading my books like boots bells and uh, on the double a lot of youngsters have come and told me that they were motivated to join the army after reading my books and they have come amazing yeah i get so many that's amazing yeah on the social media and uh, once i walked into a library and here was this boy young student uh, who was preparing to uh, go through the you know uh, examinations who was going to take uh, com- that's combined uh, services exam and uh, when he saw me and he got to know that i was a writer of boots bells he just came running to me and he says ma'am i have been reading this book it's like my bible please wait here 
I'll go home, bring that book and get it signed by you. And he wanted selfies and he was so excited. He says, wait till I show this to my group of friends. They will be, you know, amazed and jealous. So, you know, the kind of uh, feedback that you get, you realize that how much your book has affected the young minds. And that, I think, is a great thing. No, that's so true. It's it, it's so amazing to see, you know, ideas come into action and and then, you know, that having an impact. You know, we do a lot of writing classes uh, as well. And so, you know, a lot of students from those writing classes have gone on to write books and do so many interesting things. So it's an unparalleled feeling. And thank you so much for sharing this story because it was a very heartwarming story. And I like that it's a realistic picture, you know. Um, so it was very interesting because you had a corporate career uh, you've been an army wife and you don't only write about the army. You write in many different genres, including historical fiction. And you didn't form, formally re- learn writing, but you're so prolific. So what was it like for you to figure out, you know, to make that transition to writing and for different genres? Like you mentioned that every new thing is a challenge. For me, writing the same thing over and over again would be unimaginable because I think I'm quite an independent spirit and I like challenges. So each time I step into an unfamiliar zone, it provides me the challenge that I seek. Now, I have written detective novels, as you know, crime novels. I have written a kind of, you know, sci-fi. It's a cli-fi rather, uh, which talks about climate change, but in a thriller form. And then I've written uh, uh, these uh, historicals, as you pointed out, apart from the military genre. And uh, each time it has been a very big challenge to bring out the right picture, to be able to, you know, write in order to, you know, catch the reader's imagination. It's not just about writing. It's about, you know, adopting an entirely different process and a voice so that it blends with the story. I relate to that because every time you want to do something new, you feel both scared, but then that is the fun of it. I want to move on to the next section. So a lot of our listeners really love uh, when, you know, the authors that we invite talk about the books that they love um, because most of our author, uh, listeners are obviously readers. Uh, so I want to ask you, which books did you read while writing this book? Uh, maybe just as research or just, you know, as a distraction or inspiration? Uh, I generally avoid reading the same genre just before writing because I do not want to be influenced by it. At the same time, I am a voracious reader. I love to read and each day, it's like my day is divided into two slots. The morning is for my writing up to the lunchtime and thereafter it is my own time which ends with every evening is, you know, me time with reading. So post-dinner, I'm always reading. And I'm never without a book or a Kindle uh, book. Philippa Gregory is one of my favorites in historicals. Then uh, I love P.G. Woodhouse. Whenever I'm sort of depressed on blue or, you know, feeling low, all I have to do is just read a PGW book and I sort of perk up. Agatha yeah. Christie and uh, Dorothy says and that th- those people are my, you know, 
crime genre favorites yeah i think it's so important to read widely you know people always ask me because i've edited uh, you know different genres um, you know of books you know beat crime or literary fiction so they're like oh how do you like manage all of that and the only answer is that just read you know whatever is interesting in every genre and i like you know that you said that you have that me time because my me time is uh, in the morning so i think you know we all need to carve out a space just for reading because those of us who work in books it can get very confusing or it you know because you're writing you know the whole day and i'm reading and writing the whole day so it gets very confusing to differentiate so i like the fact that you know that that me time is very important so i do the things that i love i have time for yoga i have time for my evening walks and these are like my sacred hours like i say i don't let things interfere with them and i try to keep them very uh, much a personal kind of a me time and i think everyone right. needs that i actually just read a book it is very interesting um, it was about how basically the body affects the mind and it says that everyone must go for evening walks or not evening walks but walks because that's the time when you can get your most best ideas and you can get the most creative and it's happened to me so you know i go on walks and i think of whole entire stories on that walk does that happen to you absolutely in fact uh, both my husband and i are very uh, disciplined about our evening walks so uh, it's the time when we discuss thrash out plots and you know discuss the details because he's like my sounding board and my critic and everything oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so always always the first uh, look belongs to him and uh, i always discuss and that's like the time when you are totally away from the house and you I, i don't even carry my phone by the way i don't carry it during my walks so i know that i am not indispensable people can leave a message they can call i'll call back but i need not you know carry my phone as if you know it's my dear life and our i need to start doing that <laughs> okay so the last three questions i have for you is about editing i want to know about your process with your other editors um how you know you work with them your process of publishing the books because you're such a prolific writer um so the first question i have is that you know you worked with different editors different genres so and you also you know uh, share everything with your husband so what is your idea of an ideal creative partnership how do you like getting feedback uh see i believe in uh, the maxim that the more eyes are focused on one thing the more faults you'll find and that is why i you know depend a lot on the editor my husband and anyone else who reads the book because i can skip uh, and i may skip certain uh, typos or gramma- grammatical mistakes or whatever but another pair of eyes are always useful and an editor is so important to the entire process of writing because the honing and everything comes as you go along for me the first draft is very very rough i call it the story in place that's it it's just my story in place 
and thereafter i start you know adding fleshing out and you know adding more meaningful dialogues and the descriptions and things like that and then by the end of the third editing or the fourth editing i'm roughly there and thereafter it is just the question of you know polishing it continuously and one thing i've realized that there is no end to it is endless each time you go through a manuscript you'll find there is scope for betterment every time you look at a sentence you find that there are umpteen number of ways that you can do the same thing in fact so many times when i read a book which has already been published i keep thinking oh my god i should have written it this way it would have been far better so that kind of thing never ends for a writer i think you know and uh, but you got to stop somewhere like my husband says that there is no end to decking up a bride you can keep loading her <laughs> with more jewelry more makeup till she go- gets into the you know uh, marriage venue so it's like that with the book also you can continuously hone it polish it and be deck it i love that uh, i love that analogy <laughs> about the bride yeah i mean there's you know there's so many things that i've learned as an editor and uh, people don't realize that uh, it's very different skill set so as you said you know the first draft is a story draft and that's where you have to do a developmental edit which is like a plot edit character edit and that's so different and it's a completely different skill set actually from a copy edit so you have to really wear different hats also when you're in the editing process because in a development edit you're taking you know apart pieces of the story and putting it back but in a copy edit you're going line by line and you know i read out every line uh, of the book and see if it's you know sounding correct you know if it needs to be changed so very it's very different process uh, and it does take a long time it's painstaking it's very painstaking i think right no it it, it is but that attention to detail is something that is really interesting for an outsider because you really get to know a book in a way that you would never have otherwise so you know that's why you separate the work reading from the um the fun reading because the fun reading you're not looking at how a book is put together and that's actually quite a interesting thing to do i also wanted to know you know because sometimes your editors may have suggested plot and character changes in a book i know i have sometimes for my authors so what happens if your editor and you disagree on a, a plot or a character change what is the conversation like between you two uh see uh, it always has to be for the betterment of the book right the target of doing the entire exercise whether it's the editor or the author is that the book should be good and towards that i am willing to accept all kinds of uh, you know suggestions but there are some specific pieces which sometimes i get stuck on and i do you know try to explain why i have written it that way and uh, but then ultimately it is you know if you discuss and then you go through the suggestions and you implement some of it and some of it you can convince or change a bit and it works better for the book i'm fine with that one has to be open to ideas as a the entire thing about being a creative person is being open to ideas and suggestions the moment you close your mind to those 
I think you can't, you know, improve upon your writing. I love that you said that. I love that. Um, you know, I have this philosophy as well that the best ideas win. You know, uh, and for that, sometimes you have to kill your ego. So sometimes it's hard. You know, uh, but it's so important because ultimately we're working towards creating the best thing, as you said. Uh, so so yeah, thank you for that and. Um, the last question I want to ask is that you uh, love writing commercial fiction. All your books seem to be, you know, more uh, into commercial fiction. Uh, so, you know, is that a conscious decision? Um, and how is it for you? Uh, you can say it is a conscious decision because I feel that my story should reach as many people as possible. I would love to have everyone read it. So I have no, you know, false pretenses or ego problems with that or being called a commercial writer. Because at the end of the day, if your book reaches more people, inspires more people and satisfies more readers, I think that's the ultimate reward. I could write a literary fiction, but what if I fail? What if I am not able to, you know, make it uh, up to that level? where people appreciate it, I would fall between two stools, right? Neither I would uh, appeal to the common reader who prefers simple and uncomplicated language, nor would I appeal to the, you know, uh, hybro section, which thinks literary fiction is better than commercial fiction. So it wouldn't work for me. So I think I have uh, taken that call and I'm likely to stick with it. Uh, I love I love reading all kinds of you know books, whether it's literary, nonfiction, uh, crime, uh, commercial fiction. I don't really you know have a hierarchy, and it's amazing that uh, you also don't. I think that's very important. Okay, so the last section of this episode, and I've had so much fun. I could continue uh, on forever, but I don't want to take more of your time. Is the rapid fire section uh, where I hope that I will ask you questions and you answer rapidly. <laughs> okay, I'll try. One female character from Girls in Green that you would like to be? Nutty, of course. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> One training exercise from the army that you could do? Uh, very difficult. I don't think <laughs> I can do any of them. <laughs> Hmm, yeah, no, the the one that I was so fascinated with was the rope climbing. Oh that my god, like it is very tough. It's very tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so read the book, everybody, to find out what kinds of exercises people have to do in the army. It's crazy. Okay. What genre are you left to explore that you, found, that you find incredibly challenging and exciting? There's so many. There's so many. I love the idea... Uh, of sci-fi but I'm not fully ready to uh, dive into that completely I have tried out one which is a climate fiction but I would love to do a complete sci-fi futuristic oh yeah looking forward to that that would be interesting (laughs) okay one dialogue from an army film that you have not forgotten Koishak (laughs) (laughs) One funny incident from your husband's time in the army. Oh, lots. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, his lectures at the time of uh, leaving the unit, where I would warn him not to be long and uh, finish <laughs> it fast. And he would try and he would tell them, my wife desires it so. 
<laughs> so sweet. <laughs> One thing an army wife knows that nobody else does. She knows the weaknesses of her husband so well. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I learned so much from you and you did satisfy a lot of my curiosity about the book and I for one really want to see what happens to these four girls. I fell in love with them and I'm sure all of your readers and the people who watch the show on the series will as well. Thank you Tara it was a lovely conversation I enjoyed every bit of it and who knows like I said what tomorrow holds. So I, I hope that I'll uh, be able to fulfill your dream one day. If it was up to me that conversation would have gone on forever. Um and you know guys it's it's really tough for an editor to let go of a book once you're done and sort of like when you finish reading something and you don't want it to end and you feel kind of sad that it's ended because you're no longer in that world. It's so sort of bitter sweet isn't it? Here's a reminder if you want to work on your writing with an experienced mentor make the most of our offer that ends on March 1st 2022 book your slot for the year before March 1st 2022 the slots are almost full so don't forget use the discount code boundmenti2022 and get a 10% discount on our 3 month mentorship program link is in the show notes our next episode is kind of mind blowing because you not going to believe it michelle and i spoke to one of india's most beloved writers sudha murthy so you know you guys have been requesting this for ages and for whoever you know wants to know a little bit more about sudha murthy she's a padma shri she's written amazing several books in kannada and english um one of her first books was how i taught my grandmother to read which is a children's book so most of her books she writes across all genres but uh, we're going to focus on children's books this is a children's book which is a tale about her own relationship with her grandmom and you guys know how obsessed i am with my grandparents um she's 71 years old and she's still at it she says that you know it's never too late to learn um and we also discuss her latest book for children how the earth got its beauty what i really like about all her books is all of her books can be enjoyed by adults you know they take what is already existing out there like how the earth came to be and they put a magical unique playful twist on it that really opens your eyes to another perspective and the books are also infused with a lot of empathy and she does this because she's told us in the episode that she's managed to win the hearts of so many indians and they, she wants to make people read so she's built libraries across rural india and you know she has many uh, initiatives in her foundation which help kids read as well so in this episode i know you guys are going to love it it feels like you're speaking to a well-wisher it feels like you're speaking to a nani uh, in the best possible way Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it, and as always, you know, you guys know we are editors, we are podcasters, we are storytellers, and through Bound, we want to help you create stories and put them into the world. Uh, at Bound India on all social media platforms, and thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next Wednesday with Sudha Murthy.